Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Retail Record. I'm Liddy Manson. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Precise Target. And today we have Wes and Noah, the co-founders of DOB, joining us to talk about starting up a socially responsible and inclusive brand group, how they've got it started, what their plans are for the future, and how they are orchestrating their marketing and outreach strategy to make these brands successful. So welcome Noah and Wes. Why Thank don't you, you through introducing yourself and telling people a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into some of the questions about your company. Great. So hi everybody, I'm Wes McCaw. I'm one of the co-founders of DOB. Um, I'm from California, but living in New York now and kind of have about 20 years experience in retail. Great, that was, that was short and sweet, Wes, I like it. Um, Wes is usually, uh, he's usually the verbose one, goes for a long time, and I'm the one that's like really sh usually short and uh, succinct, but maybe we might switch up roles on, on this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's, if you, if you know us, that's, that's pretty dry sarcasm right there. I'm usually the one that goes pretty long. Um, uh, Noah Treshnell. Um, Co-founder DOB, Date of Birth Inc., uh, and we're at uh, DobDrop.com. We can get more into how our name kind of evolved and and really cut how the name was born itself. Um, maybe a, a little bit later, but uh, the bulk of my experience is uh, 20 plus years in retail direct to consumer industry. Uh, I've worked for many different companies, many of which are have scaled to become very large international successful brands like Sephora, Restoration Hardware, where I was there two stands, worked with the founder and then was part of the executive team during that, that high growth period where we reinvented the, the brand. Uh, worked for Illuminations, Yankee Candle, um, and uh, was with Levi's for about six years. Most of that time, I headed up the America's business for direct-to-consumer uh, for US, Canada, Mexico, and Latam. Uh, and then most recently came out for another stint on the East Coast and was the Chief Revenue Officer and Chief Executive, Chief, Chief Experience Officer for, uh, for Vineyard Vines. Um, and then most recently, um, Wes and I have been incubating this idea around DOB for quite some time, uh, for over a year. And in the last six months, we, we dove in head first and have ramped up this business and built the back end, uh, have have signed a host of brands and uh and we're starting this this it, this new exciting venture together so. so tell us a little bit about that this is clearly a mission-driven company you have a um, very new lens on how you want to bring uh brands to market and what you want your organizing principle to be tell us a little bit about how you landed there and how you're finding the brands that you partner with yeah, sure. I could take that. The um, and so, I guess in terms of how it started, you know, Wes and I. Wes worked for, for a lot of great companies. We worked together for many years at Levi's and, and, and for a short stint at Resta together. And, and Wes has been at Farfetch and and shifted and Walmart.com. Um, and I worked for big vertical brands as well. Uh, E-commerce has always been, at least for, for the past fifteen years, has been a big part of the the growth trajectory for these brands. I think you know, a big part of this, when we stepped back, we said, we want to be purpose first, profit second. We are a for-profit company. We are a for-profit for -profit brand and, and platform. 
um, it's really in service to brands, customers, and then experts. And so DOB sits in the middle of this, this community. And I know community is thrown around a lot, but it really is truly at the center of the ethos of, of what makes DOB special and, and unique. And, and part of it was also about obviously purpose first, but but also being in service to the brands that that are up and coming that, that deserve a large a larger voice and, and and really deserve to be amplified. Um, the brands that are part of, of DOB now and forever are in service to at least one of our three core principles, which is around sustainability and the environment, around inclusion, uh, which we believe in part drives diversity, drives diversity as an outcome. Uh, equality of access and inclusion are necessities for to, to have diversity, um, true diversity, and then authentically local. So being being tied into a local community where you are, where you operate, where you manufacture. So not this sort of nebulous, we, we're everywhere and we're everything. Well, that's sort of saying, you know, in a sense that you're really nowhere. So DOB believes in local means being authentically tied into your local community and making a difference. And, and each of the brands that are on DOB um, in this initial launch, and then as we move forward, some of which are signed brands that are coming on in the coming months, are in service to at least one of these core principles. And so we, this is at the center of, of what we do and who we are. And so it's not just about talking the talk, it's more about walking the walk. And so DOB aims to make an amplified impact in the world by making the brands that are making these positive impacts bigger. And the last thing I'd say is, you know, taking the 20 plus years that Wes and I have on both sides of uh, in our experience and, and learning from what has worked and what hasn't, amplifying what's worked and where we see future, where we see the puck going and skating to it, and then shedding some of these sort of more legacy parts of the industry that we just frankly don't think should exist, especially in a, in a future state. And so sort of building on success that we've had and we've seen, and then, and then shedding some of these more sort of legacy ways of working um, and practices in, in companies we've been a part of that, that we don't want to have any part of DOB. So how, tell me a little bit about how you identify these brands. Um, there are a lot, obviously a lot of brands that are um, very focused on sustainability in general and supply chain in specific. Um, you're really focused on early stage brands, emerging brands. Um, and I'm interested to hear how you find them and what market information you bring to bear as you select them, partner with them, and then help bring them to market. Wes, you want to take that? Uh, sure. Yeah. I think one of the, the big things that we do when we identify brands is really kind of we're first we're searching out for brands that are sustainable. Uh, that have some type of give back or something like that, but we're also going into the websites and, and learning about them, right? A lot of a lot of brands coming out now, they have an about us section, and we're taking the time to learn about these brands, um, read about their um, their profiles, read about the founders, what they're about. Uh, those are the things that are really important to us. We want to make sure that the brands that we're working with are truly authentic in in their purpose that they're really driving towards. So that's one of the very first things we really look at is really kind of going after them and uh, and and learning more about the brands uh, that we want to be part of DOB. So that's that's probably the first step in terms of identifying the brands. Um, looking at how we started, we, we did a lot of outreach to people that we know, and both know and I have about 20, 20 plus years in the industry. So a lot of what we did initially is to, to just network and find brands that we feel like 
are within our ethos and just getting connected to them and having real conversations with them, what they're looking for uh, in, in their brand and how they're trying to grow their brand. Um, we, we tell them what we're about and if, if things align and they think that we could help them grow, uh, they've jumped onto G DOB. And really that's kind of the way that we've identified and, and communicated with the brands that we've been working with. Yeah, there, there's this sort of notion that, you know, do you, part of building a community is about being cooperative. And I think, you know, one of the things if you look at the end at our industry, uh, you know, it's, it's hyper competitive. And, and in a direct to consumer industry, either product or service driven uh, in the US, the US is arguably the most competitive market in the world. Um, it's also the biggest, the biggest market in the world, consumer market. So, so, so therefore it's more, it's, it's gonna be more competitive. And we think competition is a very good thing. Don't, don't get us wrong. Like that's how you make, you push, you push each other to get better. But, but, it, but at some point it, it can become, um, it can be counterproductive. Um, and it can dilute, um, especially when you're talking within a single organization or within like-minded like individuals that are trying to achieve a common outcome. That's where competition really just can get in your way. And so when we think about DOB, we think about DOB in the community as a cooperative community. We think about brands are not in competition with each other on DOB, that, that together we're stronger than we would be apart. And and so building this in a cooperative state is, is honestly central to what we're about. And it's part of how we can amplify the brands in a much more accelerated way as part of DOB than say with the traditional marketplace like Amazon or Walmart, where you're in constant competition for the same customers. Um, for us, it's let's build this community together, amplify your direct channels, amplify DOB. We do it together and we're stronger together than we are apart. How are you finding that community and how are you using data to inform that outreach strategy and the marketing support that you give your brands? Um, so, so there's, we're attacking it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great question and we're right in the middle of it right now. Having launched just a few weeks ago, um, you know, obviously a lot of that goes into building the foundation of the business, building the operational back end of the business having conversations with brands to come on board before we even had a website. Um, and so now with this sort of this, this platform in place from which we launched a solid platform, we can get brands up and running that join us within 24 hours with probably 20 minutes of effort on their part. And so that obviously just as an example, is a huge undertaking to get to that point. Um, but now that we're, we're in, a, in, a, in a good place in terms of foundation of the business, now it's about driving the awareness. And so now we're in the next 120 days, you know, it's like startup, 120 days for most, that's like, you know, a year for most companies, but we talk about it in months and quarters. So it, it, in that, in this three month view for us, it's about driving traffic awareness and it's through social, you know, I mean, it's through influencers, it's through PR, local and national. Um, and it's also through our through the network effect. So we both Wes and I have pretty extensive networks, um, friends, family, coworkers, other companies we've worked with, LinkedIn. Um, and so really, it's about tapping into all of these as resources to, to that. And, and our mentality is it's one customer, one brand at a time. 
And and though and that's that comes through experiences. It customers experiences like coming onto the site, customers experiences if they choose to buy. Um, and and engaging with them in authentic ways that 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 hopefully drives value in in, in experiences that they're they want more of. Um, and and by doing that, we'll grow. And, and so you know we we're not looking for like a flash in the pan, so to speak. We're, we're looking for sustainable growth. And that goes back to the part of the ethos of DOB. Um, and part of sustainable growth is thinking about one customer at a time. So we're looking at traditional means, obviously, of, of driving awareness and traffic, but we're also looking at non-traditional means. Like we're going to local um, markets, local uh, premium flea markets and talking to new brands and talking to customers. Wes and I were just in one yesterday in Williamsburg. Um, so it's a combination of established kind of more commercial needs and, but also kind of grassroots, I guess you call it guerrilla marketing. Yeah, and I'd say that, you know, Noah and I also, they both, we both come up with a huge background of, of data analytics, right? So we're constantly looking at, uh, you know, we wake up in the morning and one of the first things we'll look at is traffic. Like, you know, how did the customer come to our site? Uh, how long were they on our site? Did they come through email? Uh, like, are they a returning customer? Uh, so these are all things that are helping us shape what our customer looks like. And when we do get to a point where we're doing paid digital, we'll be able to be a lot more focused with that, um, with the dollars that we're spending. So it's all about trying to narrow down who our customer is. So using this data uh, from an organic standpoint to, to narrow that customer down then to go to paid, to narrow it down even further. And then we'll continue to do that uh, as we get more data. Tell yeah. us about your observations of the emerging marketplace ecosystem. Because you obviously have the megas, the Walmarts and the Amazons, and then yeah. you have sort of the mid-tier. And then there are lots of niche marketplaces that are evolving right now. There are aggregators, there are people like yourselves, there are the Etsy's of the world that have been around for a long time, creating marketplaces for the types of brands you work with. Really curious to see how you see that marketplace um, breaking down into groups and yeah. your, your offering fitting and what that means for brands that work with you. It's a great question. I, and this is part, this goes back to part of what, the, what sparked DOB. It, you know, uh, Wes and I have worked for, um, marketplaces and singular vertical brands. Um, and I mean, for example, when we were at Levi's, a big part of what we were, what we were driving was taking Levi's from a core product to a lifestyle and then working through collaboration to expand the category offering and really the authenticity of that offering. Um, but I, what I would say is that you know, from my experience, it, vertical brands, you, you have this tendency to want to grow through category expansion. And, and you have a lot of brands that, that would, uh, including Levi's, that talk about head to toe and talk about like, owning the entire closet. And, and there's this, I, I think if you think about the future of marketplace, it's really about like future, it's, it's accepting and believing that that one's closet, for example, as it relates to apparel, is not gonna be a singular brand. Like it's about share of closet. And so if you believe that share of closet is future and even present, then that sort of naturally leads you down logically to a place of, well then it would be incentivized to not 
only have one brand to stand behind that 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 brands can stand for different things and and, and it's about being like-minded and, and having a community of like-minded people with like-minded brands that they can service different parts of of that customer's needs and their life and their lifestyle and by doing that you can you can service that authentically not not start in a place of authenticity like many vertical brands will and then try to plug in inauthentically into these other areas for category expansion. This is about, we are finding brands that are authentic in these spaces. The commonality is in core, is in common principles. And then you get to decide through shop experience and then plug into them based upon how they fit into your life and your lifestyle. So our view is that's a true, that's a true manifestation of what lifestyle can be. And because lifestyle needs some level of choice in order to achieve it. Um, and so that, so back to the question of kind of how you see it breaking out, you're going to have these monoliths like Amazon and Walmart. Um, even, you know, I'd say it, Farfetch is probably a click down from that where it's, where it's in fashion, but pretty broad. And then you're going to have underneath that, you're going to marketplaces like DOB that are marketplaces, but highly curated have a very, have a, have a, have very core principles and ethos and are building community around that. Um, and cause that will naturally, um, curate the marketplace and it, and, and, and Wes and I are constantly looking at brands and saying, do they fit the ethos? It's not just about bringing on as many brands as we possibly can. It's about bringing on the right brands. And so the, this sort of curated marketplace, I think will exist at scale. And then, and then you have singular brands that will still exist, vertical brands like we're used to, like the gaps of the world. Um, but I think the future is going to be more around marketplace. And because back to head to toe is no longer really a proposition that we think really works anymore. And, and what I'd say also about the future of marketplaces, we definitely believe the future is in marketplaces, right? We know, we know that wholesale is is slowly dying off, right? Um, and what's happening with wholesale is they're, they're losing to direct to consumer, right? So they have to worry about carrying inventory. They're, they're also hurting a lot of direct to consumer brands because they own that brand so that, that they could show it up however they want to show it up. So they could, they could put a brand that shouldn't sit next to another brand uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, and they sit next to each other in Macy's. And now that brand is known to be associated with other brand. And it's just not, it's not a way that as a, somebody who's, who's run brands before, not really a way that you want your brand to show up. You, you have a perspective of what your branding should be. Uh, you also have a perspective of what your pricing strategy should be. And in wholesale, you, you lose control of that. Um, so we think marketplaces are a place where if done right, a brand will have control of the branding and will have control of their pricing. Uh, and that's something that we believe is really important for a brand yeah. to grow. Yeah, I, I mean, at the root of it, we think the traditional wholesale is kind of dead man walking. Um, and, and it's gonna and it'll, and it'll play out through consolidation over time. Are you, so are you talking about wholesale into brick and mortar or wholesale into online marketplaces or online? aggregators i would say first and foremost wholesale brick and mortar 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a good reason why Walmart uh, and Target and, May- and Macy's have, as just some examples, have moved into to, to marketplace. Yeah. And the, I think that the, the challenge is there's only going to be so many players that can exist at that most, at that broad choice level. And what happens when you're at the top in this monolithic scale is, I mean, the advantage is monolithic scale, I guess. But but the disadvantage is that you have so much choice that really your marketplace becomes the brand. So if you think about Walmart.com and Amazon.com, the like the the brands the brands that are on those marketplaces are secondary to the marketplace and often are not even known. They're, they're essentially your, your brand becomes product and category driven. Um, and you know, Walmart and Amazon want people to think about Walmart and Amazon first. Um, and then you have these slightly more curated kind of more industry specific, like far fetches of the world, but still like they're they're They have so many brands that um, that it, it almost lacks it almost lacks a perspective in that sense. And the disadvantage with brands joining those types of marketplaces, especially more premium brands, premium brands that have a story and a purpose, is that all of that gets diluted. And you end up playing this game of price, convenience, and speed, which these marketplaces are built on. Um, and you lose, you can very quickly lose the, the story and, and that sort of, that core, the core of, of who you are. And, and we've seen this play out through marketplace and we've seen it play out through traditional brick and mortar wholesale, certainly. You lose control of the pricing, you lose control of the distribution, and you lose control of your brand. Your brand becomes a commodity. And then often what happens in these marketplaces is that then the marketplace private labels the product and turns it truly into a commodity. So there's this like unfortunate life cycle that happens where a brand will go on, they'll get a short-term boost from revenue because of the distribution of new audience, but then it gets diluted and then it becomes a price play and then their pricing decreases, they lose their story and authenticity, and then all of a sudden they get private labeled and they go away. So that is not DOB. DOB, we're coming at it from the other end and saying, these brands should be amplified. We want to help tell their story. We want to grow your business and grow your brand in the right way. Um, and so we're coming at it from a different angle, I think, than you would see in traditional marketplaces. Yeah, well, and what... what- Oh, sorry. I was just—I was just say one more thing to add to that. I think a, a small story I could add is uh, I won't say what company I was at, but there was a company I was at where I was working in toys. And one year for Christmas, we had a company come on, and their number one product was a scooter, electric scooter that they made. The next year, the company I was at private labeled that. They—they they basically made the exact same item. Um, went to a factory, had them make it under the a, a, one of the one of the brands that are uh, under this big brand and they took the full margin. They, it's definitely a really shady practice. Mm-hmm. So will marketplaces like yours become sub-marketplaces in the mega marketplaces? Is that, <laughs> is that you know, kind of like kind of like the, like the um, pop-ups in yeah. Are we going to see that kind of thing? What, what yeah, like, like a Russian doll of marketplaces, so to speak. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 I can, I can see that being part of future. I mean, I think that like I, I was with Sephora when eLuxury first started, and this was like in the very early days of e-commerce. Um, that is a marketplace within a marketplace, really. Yeah, exactly. And and we were having these discussions like 20 years ago, where it was, you know, is brick and mortar going to be dead, right? Like, is is, it, is brick and mortar going to go away in five years, right? Um, but I I think that now it's sort of like we're almost coming back full circle, and and the digital has become accelerated in part because of, of COVID. Uh, it probably accelerated the growth of digital by arguably three to five years. Um, and so now we're in a place of, you know, marketplace doesn't have to be physical. It actually should probably be digitally minded first in terms of your strategy. Um, and then it's kind of, and then it's a question of what kind of marketplace are you going to serve? Um, I do think that this notion of having these large, you know, having the Amazons of the world, we, they can coexist, right? The Etsy's, the Wayfair's, the, the larger sort of more curated, but still widespread um, uh, marketplaces. And then you're more sort of neat. I, you know, I don't want to call it niche, but I would say community driven, truly curated. It's almost like, like the DOBs of the world, I think could in some ways become like, a form of aggregation of these, these vertical brands. So it's sort of like, if you have a vertical brand and you want to grow your brand as a vertical brand, I think it's really smart to do that through your direct to consumer, your own and operated channels. But I think it's also really smart to augment that with marketplaces like DOB that are brand accretive and revenue accretive, right? Like if you believe that DOB is reaching out to an incremental audience and you have full control of your brand and pricing and we're helping tell your story and amplify your story then why would you why would you not do that why would that not be part of your go forward commercial strategy to reach more people so we obviously at precise target spend a lot of time thinking about data because that's what we do for a living um, and obviously data is powering a tremendous amount of uh, how the larger marketplaces are ordered. So, and whether it is um, data telling you what your customers want or whether it's data that's indicating to you what paid placements and what sponsored listings you should be buying, yeah. it's still a data-driven marketplace. How does, how does a, a purpose-first branded marketplace, how do you take that, that narrative and marry it with what's happening in data to create a winning combination? How does that work? So, you know, it, in, in, in marketing, obviously look alike, like finding that target, that sweet spot of like, this is your customer. This is who you want to, you want, you want to target through segmentation, attribution and look alike to find more of those, those same customers. Um, I think is still a, is still obviously central to to the data play. Um, I think that what's a little bit different with a with a purpose based uh, branded community like Data Birth and the brand partners that that we have, all of which are giving back in meaningful ways. Nyema that gives twenty percent back uh, of their top line revenue to put children through school in their home villages in Ethiopia and Kenya. One four three two that gives net profit of fifty percent back to the women and the artisans that are making the products so they can participate directly in the growth of the brand. 
um, Cali and Y that contributes to local community, hires people from the community, and also sponsors dance classes to be, to get you know to give a positive outlet and creativity back to the to, to the community. Right? These are these are these are real ways to engage with with customers and new potential customers. I think that that the, that the purpose side of it, uh, it it actually lends itself to more data. So. Like if you think about community, to build that community, you really want to know not just what are people are buying, you know, RFM, RFMX, those are still very important, don't get me wrong. You, the, the socio-demographic data is still very important. Um, but we're adding on to that this sort of new tranche of data, which is around uh, how important is purpose in your purchasing decision. How important is purpose and which purpose is important to you? Like there's different ways to navigate within uh, dobdrop.com and, and, and you know, within this sort of ethos of date of birth, you can, you can choose to go straight to category. And we're doing that in some new and innovative ways where we have men's, women's, and then unisex. Well, that, that's a different way. Like, and so we're seeing how, how many people go through traditional category and traditional you know, gender and how many people are comfortable then with going through new navigation. You can also go and shop by purpose. So you don't have to even go through a traditional means of category or gender. You can go straight to, I want to shop brands that are around sustainability. I want to shop brands that stand for inclusion. I want to shop brands that stand for local community. Some of our brands, by the way, stand for all three. So so it, it, it adds this whole new tranche of data around the customer that's really gets to a pretty center, center point of what drives them and what matters to them and, what, and what, what does value mean. So this data, I think, is going to become richer and richer over time because it's not, it's not purely transactional. It, it starts to really shape the profile of of what really matters to, to, to the individual. Um, and I think that's gonna be more and more important and powerful moving forward. Uh, transaction data is only so interesting. And by the way, like most people have access to it. What, what most people don't have access to is what really matters to customers uh, above and beyond transaction. Mm -hmm. Although the transactions tell a story. So if you're like us, we're doing data science against the transactions to tell a story about a consumer. And that's yep. really, I think, the next um, level of marketing. So you either tell a story through a narrative or you tell the story through data. Yeah. How they, where they start from and how they come back together again is really unclear in the industry and a fascinating question, I think. Totally. And I think part of, I totally agree with you. I, I'm not diminishing the importance of transactional data. It, it, it's very important. It's a really interesting question of sort of yeah. what story is, uh, what are the stories we're aware of? What are the stories that we're not aware of? Exactly. Uh, and, and, and how, you know, I've always been a, a believer in like moving more to opt in versus opt out. Like, you know, giving people the, the, the choice of like, what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? What really matters to you? Um, what drives you? How can we help in drive and amplify the passions that you have as an individual? It, to me, that this is going to become more and more important moving forward. 
Um, and it helps round out this data story uh, that you just mentioned. Like it helps paint the picture of the individual. But I'd say less from a, I mean, yes, does it help sell more? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, like what I think is really important about that is understanding what matters to the customer. It's, it's a customer centric view of like, we want to know more about you so we can serve you in a better way. Not we want to know more about you so we can get you to buy one more unit of something. Right. Right. So last question for you, you two are the, are the dreamers here. You're out of the tip of the, of the, of, of the arrow. What do you think the retail landscape is going to look like in 10 years, 10 years from now when we're shopping, what are we going to be doing and what's it going to feel like? No, I'll let you go first. I mean, I can go after you. Okay. Well, well, 10 years, I think, you know, I, having grown up through like operational sides of businesses, finance strategy, um, you know, I, I remember when I first started with uh, Sephora back in like 99, um, when we were doing the long range plan, because Sephora had just broken into the US, we were doing, you know, 10 year plans, seven years, seven to 10 year LRPs, long range plans. And then, and then, Later on, like with RH and other businesses, it was a five-year plan. Now I think of it as three years. I, I think 10 years, 10, 10 years is so far out. And, and, and I think that the, the, the reason why it's become now relevant at three years and not 10 or more relevant is that is, is the pace of change that we see now. It's so accelerated. No, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a long range, like where do I want to be? You know, what's the tip of, what's the summit of Everest look like? But, um, but to me, like three years is, is, is in some ways more interesting than the 10 years, which because there's a purview to, to, to where the puck's headed in the next three, maybe five. Um, where, where I think um, the landscape is headed is, um, Definitely digital, and I think probably most people would agree with that. I think that um, we're going to see more and more of, you know, if you think about the cost of labor, especially at the mid and low end side of the, of the fashion apparel market, really all of direct to consumer. If you if you make products, I think that that automation through AI and robotics will play larger and larger loom larger and larger to, to try to drive costs, a cost com competitiveness to have an advantage over, over others. That's going to, that's going to drive, that's going to maintain low costs and maybe drive down costs in certain cases at the expense of people. Um, and, and those that are going to be, I think most directly impacted by this will be the workers in the factories, manufacturing, the people on on the shop floor. Um, so I think that when you have these, these monoliths will push for, continue to push for cheap, cheerful, fast scale, um, that's gonna have a human toll. I think on the other side, you're gonna have in your know, businesses like date of birth that are that are really about the people. And 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 I think there's you know that's almost gonna be on the other side of it where it's gonna be around having a more premium offering yes there's going to be it's going to be at a higher price 
but that price will carry value that's above and beyond you know the commodity that price will involve giving back a percentage to community or to the workers or to all of the above to the environment like so a portion of what you spend is a vote is your vote for something that you believe in you know one of the things that that I, I we talk about is we vote with our ballot very frequently it's a very important civil liberty that we have we vote with our dollar almost well multiple times a day and so i think there's this gonna there's this sort of i think there's this bifurcation in in the market that will emerge which will be scale and all about cost and efficiency and and standard operating procedures and all the things that we know and then there's going to be this more premium side of the market where customers a subset of customers find value in above and beyond the commodity and and they're willing to put to to vote with their dollar to the things that really matter to them and you know brother that's giving back to factory workers and and brother that's the environment brother that's local community uh, purposes that we're not even talking about um saving the rainforest or world hunger or so I think that's going to also amplify and and there'll be this sort of bifurcation that gets more and more amplified over time between scale and curation so I think one other thing to add to what Noah said is really in the future a lot more businesses and a lot more retail companies are going to be more sustainable um Elon Musk has a, a famous saying of, you know, if you're buying a car today uh, that is powered by gas, it's similar to buying a horse when the combustion engine was invented, right? Um, similar with fashion or even retail, you need to be more sustainable today. If you're starting a brand today, you need to have sustainability in mind. You need to have a path to be more sustainable. And if you're not, you're not going to be existing in the next three to five years, let alone 10. Um, we know that small businesses have a very difficult time with sustainability because you need to have some visibility into the supply chain of a factory. And when you're a small company, you're, you're really, the first thing you're looking for is a factory that will provide you with minimums that are low enough that you can afford to do business with them, let alone looking at organic fabrics and, um, and ethical supply chain. So we, we know that in the future, this will be a lot more important. And there's a lot of companies popping up today that are supply chain oriented that have this in mind and they have different options for different levels of sustainability and different levels of ethical um, you know, certifications. And we're, we're doing business with those companies and we're, we're looking to make sure that we're set up for the future as well as the brands that we're working with are set up for the future. Yeah, it, it brings to like this, I had this debate recently with the um, with uh, someone in my network that's, you know, career digital marketer, just you know, really an expert in the space. And, and, he, and he was debating just, uh, his view was that it's inevitable that, that these large marketplaces, these monoliths of sorts like Walmart and Amazon and Alibaba, Gmail will take over, basically take over the world. <laughs> so that if you want access to customers, you have to, go through them, right? Like the ultimate aggregators, like the, the monopoly of aggregation. Kind of like, I guess, back in the days, if you wanted to open a store, you needed to be in a mall, right? Like you had to be in Westfield or 
you know, and maybe your string location was like, like a very small subset of your footprint. And it was like your premium, like, you know, almost look at it as a marketing expense. Well, because his view is that, that the consumer will just become more and more over time driven by price and convenience. And, and therefore a local community and some of the, and a lot of these other things will just fall to the wayside and don't really matter. I, you know, that is one view and that is, that is possible that, that, that could be our future. Um, I personally hope that that's not the only flavor of, of our future. I think that that will be it present, but I hope I'm hopeful that, that there are other choices, um, for myself, uh, included where I can spend my money, uh, towards, towards purposes that I care about, towards brands that, is, that should be bigger to, to people that people helping people, um, and, and these things around local community that really make one neighborhood different from another. And it, you know, this, this notion of like cookie cutter and everything looking the same for the sake of scale and convenience and price to me is not a future that, that, that I, that I want. I, I, I'd like to see a future, oh, sorry. I'd, I'd love to see a future where both can coexist. Um, and where it, you know, if, if it's not only price and, and convenience that matter, uh, that there are other things that matter um, to us as people and as consumers, um, as neighborhoods and as communities that that um, that both of these can, can can coexist and hopefully DOB and, and marketplaces like ours can be a part of making that future a reality. We're at the end of our hour here. Thank you both so much for your time. It was great talking to you and um, look forward to seeing your success and seeing the new brands that you sign up and we'll be watching you closely and rooting for you for the, from the sidelines. Thanks awesome. so much. Awesome.